Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Welcome to Scuba Obsessed, episode 40, how to stay warm, cold weather scuba diving in a wetsuit. This week in the news, we have a 100 meter world record free diving attempt, scuba diving and its benefits. Uh, I've given up women to become an action man, says Fish. Coast Council considers scuba pool ban on diving. Papua New Guinea green light to mineral in the mine. And then we also have uh, some some potential cool new gear, which was a TV, uh, HD video recorder, and a golf ball. Wow, that was tough to get through. So you made it seem easy. <laughs> at, I made it seem easy, and it's, and and that voice you hear is Jim, my co-host. Welcome to the show, Jim. How hey, you doing I'm this doing week? Doing really good. And this is going to be a good episode. Uh, I, I can already tell because we got two special guests. We have our mentor Don McEnany. Oh, Hi, Don. Glad to be here. And we also have a good friend of the show, Rich Sinewick of White Star Quarry and Divers Incorporated. How are you I today, am great. Rich? Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off with the news. I think we can get that through out of the way, and then we'll get into all the tips. So we have a plethora of recommendations on how to stay warm underwater in the cold. So let's go ahead and get this into the news. So in no particular order, we'll go ahead and start with this 100-meter world record free diving attempt. I'm going to edit out all the dead air and post. You say that now. I did last week after we got chewed out. I had to go edit out all that dead air. So now, now we take that out. So I, I love the graphic on this article. It's worth uh, heading over to Scoob Obsessed, clicking on the show notes just to see the graphic. It looks like some sort of patent. But uh, William Trunbridge will make an attempt at the free diving world record and the monumental depth of 100 meters, 328 feet. The dive will take place in Dean's Blue Hole in Long Island in the Bahamas, the deepest blue hole in the world at 660 feet. The record attempt is being billed as Project Hector. The current record is 95 meters set early this year uh, during a competition at the same location. This is the unassisted category, and that is hardcore. Could you imagine? I think they're all hardcore. Now, they're all hardcore. Well, well, the sled is one of those things. I mean, you hang on. It's like hanging on to a... a a big weight and you drop that down and, and they can tell you how they can teach. If you go to the, like Pepin used to have a, a workshop and you go to his workshop and they would say, we'll have you to a hundred feet by the end of the, uh, the, 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 the week. And you're like a hundred feet holding my breath. And they're like, Oh yeah, I just have to hold your breath for a minute. And it takes you 30 seconds to get down. They teach you how to clear. And then you pull a bag and blow yourself to the surface. And that's easy is what it turns out to be. But 660 mm-hmm. feet kicking down, See loud fins? I believe so. Nope. No, well, there's a category. They use their bare hands and feet. So there's no yeah. fins. There is a category. There is a category where they can have fins, but only as feet. That's hardcore. Safety divers will be using rebreathers. They'll be stationed along the vertical so, descent. So we're talking 338 feet, something like that. 328 feet. 660 feet is what. 328 feet is what he did. That's, yeah, the, the hole is 660 yeah. feet. Oh, 330 feet is what he wants to do. 328 feet. Wow. 
That's crazy. Because yeah. that's kicking down with yeah. nothing to bail you out. No, I mean, there's safety divers along the way, but I, uh, I mean, I could appreciate the safety divers to pull them out, but I would not want to be in that situation. I mean, if you can't make it. No, the deepest human being that's ever swam on a free swim was Papine, and he did like 700 feet on two breaths, got down to 300 feet and emptied a tank in one breath, and then kept going. And they had a submarine at the bottom to verify that he went all the way. I couldn't imagine doing this. Yep, that's athletics for you. Yeah, well, I guess that's, but that's a world record where you can respect. I mean, there's there's something that's just not your normal everyday yeah, ability. Yeah, still, records for the sake of records, I'm not a big fan of. Okay, let's head on to one I, one I haven't seen yet. Let's, Papua New Guinea gives green light to deep sea mineral mind. That was one that Rich posted. Greenlight has been given to the world's first deep-sea mineral mine in Papua New Guinea. has caused alarm among scientists and indigenous people who fear the damage of local marine life. Today, they were licensed a new mine that contains copper, zinc, copper, zinc gold, to be run by Canadian company Nautilus Materials. Yeah, the part that bothers me about this one is the hydrothermal vents, because there is so much that goes on in those that we just do not understand. So they're they're actually mining the vents themselves. That's what it says. Um, the the sited in the Manus Basin with the Papua New Guinea territorial waters near hydrothermal vents, sixteen hundred meters below the surface. So that's what five thousand feet. It's a whole long yeah. way down there. That is. Well, I'm sure the reason they're going after it is that they're expecting to find some high concentration of minerals. Hydrothermal vents are naturally combustible habitats. They blow up, become colonized, and they vents die, and the ecosystem around them dies. So if mining were done at a small scale and a low frequency, it may fit very well in this chaotic system of destruction, mining a mountaintop once it's I'm gone, curious it's what gone. they're going to do with the trailings. When you, when you say trailings, you the mean the... After you, the they're going to do any separation, or they're just taking that mass off the bottom, shipping it somewhere else to... Uh, take apart later at some other place. Yeah, it'd be hard to tell. I would imagine that at least after they've been mining for a while, they would want to get that to where they did it all in the same location. Yep. Okay. The next one, let's go ahead and talk about the, uh, and I'm, I had this, this headline all turned around. Come on internet. Coast council considers scuba pool band. And this one's out of Australia. Uh, the Gold Coast City Council considering a ban on all scuba diving training at its swimming pools. Uh, this is in is a reaction to uh, damage that's been caused to tiles by uh, dive tanks and weights. And they have a case where one of the di- one of the uh, swimmers was actually cut his feet and had to sit out on an event because of uh, a cut from a broken tile. So, uh, I mean, what's everybody else's take on it? Mine is that uh, it's just a you know, there's other ways to handle this than just yeah shutting it them. down is is just knee jerk but i i have heard of it happening before i mean and it's a if it's community pool everybody has to use it um and be sharing of it with with the other members um but there's got to be a better way than just closing it to to training and this organization that's uh, considering the ban uh they've got six or seven pools uh, they they say that across all their pools, 100 to 150 divers each week use it. Uh, the the dive shops are saying that this would have, could effectively close down their yeah, business. I treat, 
Yeah. Go ahead. I know that I treat my pool like gold because of that. I don't want, I mean, I'm always talking about people. I mean, don't be a macho person. Pick it up with a buddy. Get it out of the pool with a buddy. Climb it out with a buddy. Because I really don't want to have to replace tiles. It's not cheap. But, but no. I... No, and, and I can't imagine ahead. someone. I mean, this one though is report cuts of hands and feet because of broken tiles. Okay, that's that's fine, and 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 I'm sorry that that happened. But we're all put on this earth to watch where we're looking and going and standing. I mean, not like they're glass. Yeah. Well, they're saying that divers are a valuable source of revenue for the pool, paying twice as much as for entry as swimmers, as well as the wider community. So hopefully they can work this out and that the pool continues to be a resource that everybody can well, use. Well, I'm sure that they have yeah. mandatory boots on the tanks and uh, and soft weights and, and things like that. I can't imagine a, a soft weight doing damage to a tile. It would have to be a, a hard weight, right? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I guess if you drop something high enough that uh, you could still cause a little bit of damage. Now, this next article is one that I thought was a little extreme. And this one was out of Ireland from the Scottish Sun. And the headline, I've given up on women, they become an action man. So this is, uh, and when they say Marillion, I think that Marillion, wasn't that that uh, European band? Yeah, from the I looked 80s? it up. Yep, it's a British rock group formed in Osbury, Berkshire, England in 1979. Thanks to yeah. Wikipedia so, for that. Right. <laughs> you got to love Wikipedia. <laughs> and uh, so... Yeah, it sounds like he's had a little bit of a troubled uh, love life. Uh, the former uh, rock star uh, had an 11-month marriage that collapsed with an occupational therapist earlier this year. Uh, that's after he was dumped by uh, a singer, who I have no idea who she was, but that was 20 years his junior, just weeks before their wedding in 2007. And then in 2001, he saw his uh, marriage uh, to a model end after she left for another man. So he's just, based on all these these bad experiences, he's decided to turn his back on women, become a fitness fanatic, take up uh, zip rides, whitewater rafting, horseback riding, hill walking, and scuba diving. So, you know, I, I thought he was a nutcase until they said scuba diving, but that makes everything else okay. Right. And he seems happier now, so that's good. I don't know. The Heather chick isn't that hot. I just pulled up. I just pulled up to see like who, who destroyed who destroyed her world, and it's fun. Throw throw in a Google search. You love that. Well, he was twenty years older than her, so I'm imagining that uh, you know. Let, let, just to play the skeptic card, is that. He was looking. She was looking for him to get her discovered and have some sort of career. So maybe when she found out that wasn't going to happen, then uh, she decided time to get to the the call That's it quits. Okay, yeah. The nineteen seventy nine rock band guy would be just such a winner at this point. He's been out of the business for what twenty, thirty years. Yeah. Well, I can remember when I went to college. It was uh, we had. Uh, one of the guys I used to carpool with, who was, his family is originally from Iran, and he was completely into that band. He had, I don't know, what probably, probably his vinyl albums back yeah, in those no days. Doubt. So, but uh, it sounds like uh, he had uh, 
you know, some health problems, assist on his vocal cords, and uh, you know, he had it cut out. And he was terrified that it was cancer, so that was the motivation he needed to uh, start living a healthier life. Well, I like scuba diving, so I could give up. I don't know if I'd give up women for scuba diving, probably. You know, I, I don't know. That'd be a tough one. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sorry, honey, I'm in a meeting. What are you doing? I'm going out diving. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's doing 50 dives in Cuba. Uh, that'd be neat because uh, Cuba, from what I understand, has got some of the best uh, uh, growth around the island because they don't have uh, all the advanced fertilizers and things like that that uh, may be working against some of our other reef systems, right? Hello? Yep. No, I, I agree. Great location. Okay. And then here's, here's another one that I wanted to, uh, to verify to actually see if this was, uh, this was true. It's scuba diving and its benefits. So this is just a short little article, Look, and they're trying to... Looks like a me. blog. Yeah. But I, I'd like to believe that everything was, was true in it, but I, I kind of question it. So they, some of it seems obvious. So the first one is uh, some of the benefits of scuba diving is uh, flexibility and strength. Uh, they say it is one of the more prominent benefits of scuba diving offers strength and flexibility. Moreover, it enhances feet quickness. Now, I was, how does it make your feet quicker? I don't get that any ideas. It's like water aerobics, especially when you get older. That is an item they, they broadcast. It helps you keep your balance. It's a coordination aspect, especially when you're older. Not that I'm there yet. No, no, of course not. So, I mean, I, be- I believe the flexibility and strength, this def- defeat quickness, but I guess, you know, just resistance training in general in the water. Reduces blood pressure. Scuba diving also helps reduce blood pressure. Individuals who dive on a regular blaze- basis are less prone to strokes and heart attacks. But what about the that. individuals? Well, I believe that too, but what about the individuals who fight with their spouse about going diving? <laughs> well, that's usually blunt trauma. <laughs> <laughs> or I was poisoning. just thinking, or poisoning. <laughs> yeah. So the stress levels but, uh, induced by that are, are negated by once you get in the water, so it's a dead even. Like, well, then you go back to the last article where he gave up women, so then that... See? <laughs> maybe that's why it reduced right. blood pressure. <laughs> Oops. Did I say that? I didn't say that out loud, did no. I? I think um, that's going to have to be age-related also, because the biggest thing you're hearing now is, as we get older divers, and our dive club is one, geriatric divers, uh, Blood pressure is a big issue, and reducing it may be therapeutic in a nice, clear, warm water atmosphere, but uh, I dare say some of the wreck dives, you'll have a little bit of apprehension before you go on a deep one or something. I don't think that necessarily reduces blood pressure. Yeah, I know like on this last week's dive, that bouncing around the surface, I can feel that I've got some anxiety, but get about 10 feet below the surface, nice and calm. Stimulates circulation, another benefit of this kind of diving. Works all muscle groups, provides complete cardiovascular exercise. This way oxygen reaches every muscle properly, thus 
resulting in increased heart rate. Yeah, Yeah, I I think just any sort of My heart rate goes up higher trying to get the darn thing off. Right, right. Well, look back, uh, what was it in the uh, early 1900s when they were doing all the work with uh, pressurized uh, treatment, barrow chambers? Yeah. For Mm -hmm. everything. I mean, they were they were selling that as a cure for everything. Um, but I think it does. I, I think it, just the the normal motion and getting everything around helps. Uh, and this 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 last one, I definitely believe, improves concentration awareness. Unless you're narked out. Up. Well, <laughs> I guess that's true. But it feels awful good. Right. <laughs> In order to swim underwater, one needs to be careful, attentive, and, and completely focused. A little mistake can turn into big trouble. This kind of dive increases one's control over body movements. So, you know, I, I would have liked a little bit of supporting information to the article, uh, maybe where they got some references on studies or something. Seemed pretty much anecdotal. Anecdotal. Yeah, exercise is good. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know that we're talking about the tie into what we're talking about tonight. I know that the the whole calorie burn that you get when you're trying to dive wetsuits under ice <laughs> it's there. It's just you gotta force yourself not to supply it back when you go back to the the eatery afterwards. Yeah. I'll take fifteen <laughs> cheeseburgers and a large fry. Oh and, and I need a diet coke, small. <laughs> Wait a minute, that is my order. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was just he's like he's what following the... us. Hey. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and use that as a segue to ju- to jump into tonight's topic, which is uh cold water scuba diving in a wetsuit, which uh Mac, Jim and myself have all had an occasion to do. Uh Rich, have you have you done much cold water uh, wetsuit? I used to, yes. Yep, and sometimes it's when you when you have a malfunctioning dry suit, it's not exactly what you planned. Yikes. But it's still, uh, I mean, it's not cold water, it's being cold. Exactly. So uh, we we posted the comment out there in Facebook, letting everybody know that was the topic tonight. So we had some excellent feedback. Appreciate everybody who head over to the Facebook site. Over there at uh, www.facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. Uh, but a, a couple of comments we're just gonna we're gonna have to strike right away as uh, you know since the topic is in a wetsuit we know that a dry suit's warm. We'll, we'll maybe we'll do that for a future episode how to stay warm in a dry suit because I don't think that's an automatic thing that happens. And then uh, also diving in warm water. So uh, yeah, if yeah, that. Part of up, up here is that uh, that warm water only comes a little bit of the year. So uh, if we're going to continue to dive all year round, we need to find ways to stay warm. Let's go ahead and start with uh, the the pre-dive stuff, because I think the pre-dive is, is vitally important to staying warm. Yeah, Mac, you want to start off? Well, actually, you know, I get up here and I start to preach a little bit, especially the people who have already done this, been there, and got the T-shirt. But I um, always like to look at what do you call cold? And I did a little bit of just looking through the internet just to see what some opinions were. Warm water is considered for most to be between 75 and 85 degrees. And they said having something like a, uh, a skin or a one-eighth inch type suit 
was optimum for that type of diving. Temperate water was considered 60 to 75. And they were saying often there you'd be using a four to six mil suit, which is three sixteenths of an inch. And cold water was 45 to 60. By the Navy tables and the way I came up, anything below 50 degrees was considered cold water. And when you start getting below 45, if you're doing scientific diving for any large university, the requirements for diving in those atmospheres or in that environment uh, becomes quite cumbersome because of the requirements and stipulations they make on diving in that type of atmosphere. As individuals, we can sort of be a little more flexible. Um, key items I like to think about when you're doing that is like you're saying pre preemptive items you got to think about is you got to realize when your body gets cold, you're going to be breathing faster and therefore your tank of air is not going to last as long. So if you're not used to diving in cold water, you got to think of, I can't stay down there my one hour like I normally do. You're going to be just from air consumption generally um, a lot less time. I mean, I breathe like a big dog anyway. I'd breathe faster as a cold big dog. Uh, the other item for cold water, not just the suit itself, but you got to remember that your batteries for your strobes, your lights and your cameras, it's going to limit some of the time that you may have that. You had more when they're warm, it's going to be the last when they get colder. And if I'm going to go down with my wetsuit, I'm going to obviously have a tank and a regulator. And then I have all sorts of items I got to consider for my, my breathing apparatus. You know, I don't want to get a free flow from ice or cold water. So those are other considerations I got to take into account. And like you said earlier, there's lots of options when you dive in cold water. Obviously, most people, I think, start out with the wetsuit. Your next one would be your semi-dry wetsuit. And then, of course, your dry suit. But everybody knows if I got a dry suit, I'm in, I'm in heaven. Well, I, last year, what did we do? We did all wet and we worked out fine. So my comment, most people make their first ice dive or really cold water dive in a wetsuit. And considerations you got to have before you do that is one, you got to be warm before you put the suit on. And it's interesting to see how many people are out there on the ice, even last year, uh, without helmet or a hat, something to keep your head warm. And when you don't have as much hair as some of us, myself, of course, that, that hair protection or head protection is important. And your hands. Uh, when you start getting your gear together, you really want to do it with gloves on because you don't want to start out with cold hands. You just defeated the purpose of getting in the water there. So you got to stay warm before dressing for the dive. When you're doing your pre-dive, getting your tank set up, your staging, or your ice shanty fixed up, you really do want to make sure you don't get overheated either and start sweating. Um, probably the other last item I like to say is you got to be real well rested, you want to be nourished, and you want to be hydrated. And those are some items you forget, especially the hydration part. Now, again, the wetsuit is the most common means for exposure protection. Um, and as we know, the purpose of the wetsuit is to insulate your body, minimize heat loss. They do that by trapping a layer of water between the skin and the suit. Heat from the body warms the layer of water, which keeps your body temperature pretty much even. And then the thickness and quality of the wetsuit material, usually neoprene, determines the ability, the suit's ability to insulate. And as a diver, you're going to consider when you get that wetsuit, warmth, dexterity, and comfort. And they're not always equal. Uh, obviously, the thicker the neoprene, the warmer you're going to stay. 
Your wetsuit will decrease heat loss by minimizing the movement across your skin. And that's why a, a wetsuit, cut, fit, the stretch, the seals, the zippers are all important. If you got a, a well-fitting wetsuit with no holes or seams, and especially in their gloves and your booties, you're going to reduce that flushing of water. And if you've been in the water with any kind of wetsuit that's not really aligned to your body form, when you move your arms up and down to, to, to swim, you get a bellows effect right under your armpit. And if you don't have something really snug there, every time you flap your wings there or swim with your arms instead of your feet, you're going to have that, you're going to be forcing water out and in, and you're defeating the purpose of keeping your body warm. You're putting cold water back in. So for myself, winter diving in a wetsuit, I like a um, seven mil wetsuit. The thicker the suit, it's less flexible, but that's a trade-off you're going to have to have. Uh, key items you got to remember is, since I'm using a bigger suit, your buoyancy is going to change with the depth. And also you got to remember, once you get past that 33 feet with that neoprene suit, you just lost a lot of your thickness. So if you're going to be diving a lot deeper than 30, you got to start thinking of the contingency plans to keep warmer. Uh, and again, with that said, last year I was diving with a... Uh, a one-piece suit at five, six, seven mil stretchy with the attached hood with my uh, vest hood. That worked really good because it was brand new. I didn't have any little seam leaks. Now for the ice diving or river diving, I prefer that two-piece suit with the long john bottoms, the step-through top. I like that vest with the attached hood. Then I use five millimeter three-finger gloves to keep my fingers a little warmer and together. I use sold booties, give me a firm grip, and I usually use a second hood. And, you know, I use that shorty hood with the zipper, which really gets my head warm without a lot of the uh, bulkiness if you have the extra thick hood with the deep, deep collar. Underneath the suit, I like to wear uh, woolen long johns, the pants, and the long sleeve shirt. And to help put those on, I basically put stirrups in the pants. So when I put my suit on, it doesn't pull the legs up. And I have loops for the thumb loops for the shirt. So when I put the suit top on, again, it maintains that uh, shirt down there by my wrist instead of by my armpit. Now, the type of insulating clothing you're going to be using is, is really a preference item. And everybody has their favorite. Some like fleece. Uh, some like Gore-Tex. Thinsulate, surf suits, what some of them call them, skins, under armor, or wool. Probably the key item to remember not to wear, either, especially in a dry suit and or wet, is cotton really doesn't do you a lot of good. It's a horrible insulator when wet. Contrary, like wool by itself is really nice. Uh, the other aspect is once I do suit up, I like to use warm water, not hot. You really don't want to get yourself sweating by putting like near boiling water in there. And we both had experiences where you need to cut that with a little bit of cold water. But you want warm water. I pour it down the chest and the back to get myself pre-wet. And that's going to minimize that cold water creep when I first submerge into the water. Makes a big difference. Uh, as a side note, I like to keep my gloves and my booties prior to the time I put them on in a nice tub of warm water. I also get some solidly warm and makes it a lot easier when I do put it over my hands. The other advantage of having that little bucket of water handy is if you did get in and did have a free flow either in the river or uh, under the ice 
and you're closer to the shore, you come up, it's a lot easier to try to get that free flow under control. The second one, if it's a real cold day and you get out, you can use some of that water to melt the zippers and get your suit off. Been there and done that. But uh, that's how I do it. The other aspect they really encourage and we use is staying warm before you get in, having the suit and been pre-warmed, and then when you get out and take it off, you want to do it in a warm environment if possible. And what we recommend and what we use is we have that uh, portable ice fishing shanty with heat. So it gives you a place to get out of the wetsuit, especially when it's windy. It's not so much the cold as that cold wind when it comes through that really gives you a heartache. So having some place that you can then stage again once you're finished with the dive and dress in a warm environment. And then as you're dressed, put on warm clothing if you've got it. And that's when that extra hot chocolate or something is going to be really tasty and help get that core temperature back up where it might not have been. But that's my two cents. Thanks, Mac. Uh, how about you, Rich? Uh, I, uh, on, a, on a bunch of stuff, I agree with Mac, but I, I tend to be more of a, uh, I mean, I own a dive shop, so I tend to be more of a technological go with what's out there um for technology and i agree with Mac on the big thing is is that the the 90 percent of your battle is being warm before you get in and warm when you get out and there's a couple of things that that i recommend to people first of all is is uh if you're going to be diving in the extreme winter uh, you really do need to have some place to get out of the wind get out of the shelter get out of the snow and get into something warm uh, but I'm also, I, I'm not a big fan of loading up a, a car with 20 or 30 pounds of gear that you don't need. So um, I kind of look at it from a different standpoint. I think that after nine millimeters, um, after eight millimeters, that your total thickness of your suit is pretty much um, just going to add to your buoyancy and not to help you out with the, uh, the, the, the insulation. At that point, uh, I think that most people can keep the water inside warm, um, that you're not going to have a, a huge cooling effect that goes on, um, especially if you're in shallower water. Now, if you go deeper, you obviously need a lot more because it's just going to compress and you're going to need a lot more that goes with it. Um, for me, when I, when I would dive in a wet, when I dive in the cold water in a wetsuit now, um, I'm primarily a dry suit diver, but I, I look at when I dive in late February, early March, and even early April up here, um, when I'm diving with students, I try to go and make sure that it's, I have a pretty good understanding of what they're going through. And so I at least do one. But the way that I look at it, because I'm, I'm a cold person anyway, so 70 degrees in a wetsuit is cold for me, 60 degrees in a wetsuit is cold for me. So the way I, I dress is I'll wear, um, I, I've kind of steered away from the two-piece ones and I go with a one-piece. And the one pieces that I use are what's called a semi-dry. And if you look at a semi-dry, you look at the fact that they have seals very similar to what a dry suit has, but they do allow water in there because you wouldn't want to have to equalize it with air. So there's a, a different way of working it and a different way of, of the zippers. They don't flow through. The hood's usually attached. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, if I was going to start out, I, I kind of want to take this from a different standpoint and look at, um, kind of talk about 
what you would do right now with the gear you have. Now, if you're diving up here in Michigan, um, any of us know that a seven millimeter is pretty much the standard wetsuit. Uh, older ones would call it a quarter inch, but it, it's a seven millimeter. And I think that's what you guys dive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Both Jim and I do seven. You have millimeter. one piece or a two piece? One okay. piece. So, so we're on the same page. Let's talk about some of the things that people do wrong that I've seen um, both at the quarry and, and, and maybe you didn't learn it from your instructor or maybe your instructor didn't know. First thing is, is the boots um, are, are probably one of the, the, the most misunderstood things. Um, the boots get worn inside the wetsuit. So you pull the wet, pull the boots on after, after you put, put the wetsuit on, you pull up the, the legs and you put the boots on, zip them up, and then you pull the um, the wetsuit down over them. And what you want to think of is how you flow through the water. If you have the boot on the outside of the wetsuit, you flow through and the water gets um, into the boot and it's not going to be as insulated. Um, I've seen people go as far as keeping that water movement out by taking duct tape and wrapping it around. Um, I think that you run into a uh, wrapping the seams around, but I think you run into a problem with circulation if you tighten it up too tight, so I don't recommend that. Um, going up the suit, um, the back zippered ones tend to be a little bit more warm than the front zippered ones because you have the tank holding that zipper sealed shut, um, especially if it's a real thick spine pad. Uh, and when you get to the hood, the hood has to have a bib on it, and the bib gets tucked in underneath the, the, the wetsuit. And then your gloves get pulled over the wetsuit. Now, that would be what everybody's got in their closet right now. That would be the best way to keep warm in cold water. So if you're not doing that, that's I, I just gave you that. Now, let's take the water temperature from 70 to down to, to, to 50 degrees, and what are we going to add? Like Max said, I'm going to add the three-fingered mitts. I think the three-fingered mitts are the most misunderstood piece of equipment that, that people have out there. They look goofy, and people go, oh, my gosh, you can't do anything with it. If you're comfortable with them, you can do something with it. And and the big thing I preach, and, and I actually have, um, for really cold water, I have mittens. There's seven millimeter mittens. There's no finger in them at all. And you can still work a camera. You can still get stuff because at depth, it becomes stretchy. But the biggest thing with gloves is you want to have a good, nice, warm pair of gloves that doesn't have any holes in them that, that you can stretch up over your cuffs uh, of your wetsuit to keep the water sealing mini or water minimized. But the big thing you want to do with, with, with those is with gloves, the problem with gloves that people have is they just don't wear them. And when I say you just don't wear them, my big thing is if you're out in cold temperatures, you should never, ever, ever be without gloves. And you should never be without a hat or your hood. So when I have people come out of the ice, first rule, you do not take off your gloves until you're in a warm environment. You do not take off your hood until you're warm environment. If you blow that, you're not going to get a second dive in. And the reason you're not is because you're going to be freezing because of evaporation. And we want to minimize evaporation. Um, and that's, we'll get into that. I'll talk about that in just a second. But the, when I say now we jump into technology, take the next step, and they make a thing called a hooded vest. And I think that's what you were talking about, wasn't it, Mac? Yes, that's what I use under the, the suit. Okay, so you take the hooded vest. Now, hooded vest, do you wear them over or do you wear them under the suit? And I've seen both. Um, the guys on the, uh, the the East Coast, the guys and girls on the East Coast, swear you wear them over the suit, and I think there's a there's a pretty good argument there, uh, because if you put them over the suit, you're going to seal up all your zippers, you're going to push the main suit against your body, and you're gonna you're gonna help um, minimize water movement throughout. 
Now, I typically wear mine under my suit, but but that's for a couple different reasons. Um, the big thing with with wetsuits that I can add is there's a lot of technology out there. The first piece of technology you've got is the hyperstretch neoprene. And the hyperstretch neoprene is hyperstretch because they put like uh, Neosport has the X uh, the X-Span. Um, Pinnacle Aquatics has the Elastoprene and the Merino Elastoprene. We'll talk about Merino in just a second. I think Henderson has the X-Span. Um, there's a bunch of different places out there, but they have super stretchy suits. The coolest thing about super stretchy suits, by the way, is not because they're warmer. It's because you can gain 40 pounds and still have it fit. It doesn't shrink as much in the, in the, over the winter. So um, for all of us that actually get, gain a little bit of weight over the winter, I know you guys don't, but but I do. So it's nice to be able to put the wetsuit back on. But with the hyperstretch, the way that they make it a, a stretchier material is they blow more nitrogen into it. And so when they blow more nitrogen into it, it becomes super stretchy. Now, people would argue that that takes away some of the insulating factor because it's going to be a little bit, it's going to compress more. And that, that does make some of the cases. But what you have with the super stretch is you have the, the air is the insulator that's blown into the neoprene. So the more air you have in the neoprene, the more of an insulating factor you're going to have. Now, with me, all of my wetsuits are from Pinnacle Aquatics. And Pinnacle uh, basically jumped on this bandwagon um, of the merino wool. And it was started with a company called Para, Paragon in, in uh New Zealand, and it, over there it's still Paragon, and over here it's Pinnacle. Um, but they have, they took what worked in the 1940s with wool fibers and said, all these synthetics are really nice, but the synthetics don't have the same aspect that the wool has when it's wet. Now, I'm, I'm not a scientist that I could explain all this to. I, I, I know that a little bit, but the surface of wool fibers, if you look at the surface of wool fibers, they're hydrophobic. That means they feel dry when even when they're wet. And so the guys in the 1940s, when they had those big pea jackets that they wore out on the submarines, they could be soaked and the wool would still be keeping them warm. It's also supposed to be exothermic when wet. Um, a lot of places will tout this, especially in the... Uh, in the mountaineering ranges and stuff like that, where you where you have a, a wool thing and you get it wet and the sweat gets to it, because the sweat doesn't stick to it as much and because it feels warm. The coolest thing about that is in between dives, when you peel it down and put warm against your skin, you can take the the wool wetsuit and pull it back up and it doesn't have that cold clammy feeling that the neo, that the nylon has, and that's awesome. Um, Pinnacle says that if you have a wool lining in your suit, you can add a millimeter to how thick it would feel. So if you have a seven millimeter with wool, it's similar to eight millimeter. Five millimeter with wool, it's similar to uh, a, a six millimeter. Now, what people do up by me in Lake Huron is there's a lot of people that dive the summertime in a five millimeter with a hooded vest, both with the merino wool. And they have merino wool boots and they have merino wool gloves and they have the merino wool hood. And they find that that makes a huge difference to, to what they feel. Now, any, any way that you, you go by it, um, I, I'm also a big fan. I own a dive shop, but I, but, and I'd love you to buy more gear. But the big, fan, big thing when people say, what's the best thing out there? I say, what you have is probably the best because it has the benefit of being paid for. And so until you really need it, I would, I would hold off. But 
at the same time, there's some very cool things that are out there. Now, my my mitts aren't um, the mitts, the three fingered mitts. They don't have a grain of wool inside, and I can tell the difference. But I like the fact that I have the fingers together more than uh, the the dexterity. I don't really need the dexterity when I'm when I'm digging for bottles, which is primarily what I do in the winter. Um, jumping without jumping off topic, though, when you look at whatever suit you decide to have, having a really good hood and really good gloves and not taking them off unless you're covered. Let's talk about what you do between dives. When you get, when you go out into the water, you need to be bundled up and you need to be bundled up in a way. I use a boat coat. It's, it's actually called a boat coat. You can buy them. um, You can buy them at your local dive center, I hope, Uh, but you can buy them at my local dive center. But what they are are these coats and they have a water wicking liner to them they actually will suck the water off the suit and dry it uh, you throw that on over the suit you don't take the suit off if you have a merino wool lining because it's going to keep you warm and you stand right next to the heater and everything hooks up like to, to like it's summertime with your if you're going to be taking a longer break than 20 minutes i highly suggest getting out of anything wet and when you get out of anything wet i usually take my wetsuit and pull it down around my waist leaving my legs in it my legs don't get cold, but then you put a dry sweatshirt against you. Now, if there's any ladies listening, that means taking your bathing suit off because you, you don't want to have a wet shirt on. If you have a lining that you're wearing, if you're wearing a um, rash guard underneath or something like that, or even like like a woolly, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, I use them. They're called base layers uh, from, from uh, what's the name of that company? Fourth Element. We call it the... Uh, the dry base, oh, okay. but but they they have hydro gear, and if you use even like a rash guard, then you're going to have a little bit of um, extra warmth with that. But if you have that, you need to pull it off because it can't be wet against your body. If evaporation is happening, you're going to cool off. That's how we sweat. We take if we sweat, that evaporation cools us off. So that's what we got to think about when we're we're diving. The next, so so you want to when I tell people we're going to go diving, bring as many sweatshirts as you have in your. Uh, in your, your repertoire because you don't want to put a wet one back on. So you take a nice woolly garment and you put it on. Now I'm, I'm I agree with Max, stay away from cotton. Um, in the, in the outdoor world, we, we call cotton kills because if people have cotton socks on, they're going to get uh, really bad frostbite. If they're going to have a cotton shirt on, they're going to get really bad um, chills. And unfortunately, and, and jumping into the dry suit market just for a touch, unfortunately, and Matt could probably back me up on it. The first thing you see a guy do is they take and they buy this $300 undergarment that's designed to be worn pretty much against your skin, and they throw a cotton T-shirt on underneath it because it has a cool dive logo on it. <laughs> to- totally wipes out the $300 that you spent on the on the, the undergarment. Now, would, does it depend on what the logo uh, is? No. <laughs> okay. I think the Divers Incorporated logos are probably the hottest ones out there, but... <laughs> but that's just me. White Star Quarry is probably a secondary one. But no, there it doesn't matter. Get the cotton off your body and go against. Get something wool against your body in my world. And people people who have not seen what wool has done in the past. I mean, there's a, I know there's people that, that, that listen to this would go, oh, my God, wool, that itches so bad. Only cheap wool itches. If you get a really refined merino wool, it is very soft and, and very comfortable. And you won't know the difference. Now, I know that there's guys out there that are uh, big fans of the Thinsulates, 
And the Thinsulates are great under a dry suit, but they do not work under a wetsuit. Um, uh, the Hydro Gear, I've not used myself, but I'm not a big fan of of anything that would get between me and the the way the suit works. But keeping that in mind, you want to be warm. So if you don't have a place to warm up, you always have your car. Put your wet boat coat on. They're waterproof. You can sit on your front seat and not wreck your car and warm it up. The other thing that I would throw in there um, that I didn't hear, I, Mac might have said it, but I didn't hear it, um, is shorten your dives. Is shorten them to 20 minutes a pop and you get two or three in because you won't get super chilled. If or I mean, if you do one long, hour-long dive, you're still going to get the same amount of bottom time, but you're going to be freezing um, when it's all done. And we don't want to be shivering when we're trying to climb a, a ladder out of the water or climb, climb up out of the water. So that that's a big one. Now, with the with the whole priming thing, I, I've seen everything from from coolers with the water to boiling pots that are on the the um, the stove. Um, I've seen people have heaters that melted their wetsuits. All these things to keep warm. But the big thing with priming is you don't want it to be too hot, and you don't want it to be cold. You want it to be right, just right. And so what I tell people um, is you get a cooler. If you want to dip your um, boots in it, you get a cooler and fill it with super with hot with the hottest tap water you can. Throw it in the back of your truck and drive to your website. And by the time you're done, it'll be cool cooled down to where it wants. If you're not going to do that, then you get you collect all the two liter bottles. I mean, we're in Michigan, so we have returnables. We have two liter bottles all over the place. Grab as many two liter bottles as you can. Fill them up with hot water. Um, I usually bring four with me, and you as hot a tap water as you can get, and you wrap them in a towel and you put them in the back seat of your car and, and on the floor. And then when you get to the site, go do the dive, get ready to do the dive. They've cooled down to the point where they can, and make sure they're not too hot because nothing that would suck worse than, than anything to be burned underneath your wetsuit. But take and, and make sure it's not too hot and then prime your gloves, prime your suit, prime everything that you're going to get in the water with. But again, don't be out in the exposure with a bare head. Make sure that you keep a hat on. I bring five or six wool hats. Uh, I got the red ones that look like Jacques Cousteau or, or what is it, Steve Zissou. And and have those and and wear them. Have a, a couple extra pair of gloves. And the mittens work great. And uh, the 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 freezing up of zippers that that's kind of humorous. Um, we didn't have hot water with us one time, and we had somebody freeze up their zipper, and he had to pee so bad. And uh, we're looking at him, dude, you're screwed. So he sat in the back of my truck, and I'm like, you pee in there, I'll be upset. <laughs> Waiting for it to thaw, but. I kind of jumped around a little bit, but if you look at all the the the, the uh, technology, now jumping into technology, there's a couple of other things that you have. Um, for the above dives, I like those heat packs that you can buy, the glove warmers and that. They don't work real well underwater if they're the carbon-based exothermic ones that need oxygen. But if you get the ones that are salt-based that you have to cook in your microwave, those work great for for staying warm it's like peeing in your wetsuit the whole time not that i do that but peeing it's like that um the the drawback is you need one for every dive that you're going to do uh because they need to be boiled to be able to to work again um the other thing is is uh uh, they they have a a couple different products of electric wetsuits and electric under undergarments for wetsuits and uh, battery technology is what's fueled this because the batteries are as small as your cell phone and you just it gives enough heat that you're not having to do any work um, in, in keeping everything warm. The uh, 
the problem with those is that by the time you buy a really nice wetsuit that's merino wool and you buy this heater that's 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 in there you're you're at the point that you should have just bought a dry suit so um but the the final the final thought on on the whole thing is uh if if you're going to be diving where it's cold i mean we joked a little bit um i think before we got on the air about um cold water in, in the way that we eat afterwards but in all honesty you should be really well hydrated like max said and you should eat a really good square breakfast because you're going to burn a ton of calories while you're underwater trying to keep warm that's the way your body works it so you want to lose a few pounds winter diving is where it's at you lose hundreds of pounds but that's my two cents thank you rich how about you, Jim? That's a tough act to follow, uh, Mac and, and Rich. We put him, we Hello, put him to sleep. Jim? Are you muted? Are you there? <laughs> We've lost it, Jim. I don't know. I see him. He's still online, but... Uh, you might have had to take that little break we were talking about earlier. A little break because we were talking about fluids and hydration <laughs> and everything. And when you get cold, you really got to go. You really got to go. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead until he comes back. He can interrupt, but uh, I'll, I'll put in uh, my two cents. Uh, and, and last year was my my first year of, of diving cold. I mean, I've been cold diving before, but that was the first year where I figured, you know, past August, September, I'm going to continue diving. And I can remember you know, thinking how in the world, you know, they're talking about the ice dive. And I thought it was one of those polar bear stunts, you know, or the, you know, they, you, you see on the, the news programs on January where they got the guys in speedos jump in the cold water and, and just get just, just to prove that they can do it. And that's what I thought it was I'm like, no, no, it's, it's fine. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to prep for it. So, uh, what Jim and I did is that we just kept diving, you know, as other people's called it quits for the end of their season, we just continued on. And so that gave us the opportunity of tweaking whatever we were doing without changing too much. So just some of the experiences that came from that, you know, uh, other than just asking for all the advice from anybody who would give it was, uh, you know, starting off warm, uh, you know, and again, the, you know, that the part of that is just having a, a good, good meal, uh, I drink coffee. I do that. I know that's supposed to be a no-no with the caffeine, but uh, you know, I, I still do it. So I, I make sure in that that morning before the dive, I have a thermos that I've I filled up. I have my cup. I've been I've been drinking that. I also uh, I've I've had all my gear already out in the car the night before. So all I've got to do is get ready with the water. So I've got this big wheeled cooler, and then inside that I got two thermos jugs. One's orange and one's red. That red one. I'll actually fill with, with boiling water. Uh, my thought behind that is it's always easier to make the water colder, but I can't necessarily make it warmer. So if we have what we're doing, a, a, it's we got Lake 16 where it might be an hour drive and we, we might be out and do a second dive, I can always cut that, that hot water. It's too hot to use. You wouldn't want to use that. But, again, I can cut that down. And then the hot as I can get out of my tap, and my tap's probably a – 110 115 that goes in the orange jug and that's usually about perfect and i put both those in the cooler 
Uh, and it just makes a nice container, uh, depending on where we're going. If we're going on a boat or something, the cooler doesn't come with me, but uh, just another way of doing it. And then also I'll sometimes even use just a regular jug that's not insulated, and I'll fill that with water. So i got plenty of water. I usually have enough water for three or four people. Uh, you, I just don't feel like I could have too much. Um, as, as far as gear, uh, that 7mm, that I dive that 7mm all year round. Uh, it's a back zipper, like you said. I and that that back flap. Uh, having somebody help put that that suit on. You know, I can put on the uh, a dry suit myself. You know, it's got the strap. I can reach back and zip it. Might take a couple tries. Uh, but I found that if you don't have that that flap underneath that zipper, uh, you're going to feel that water instantly when it when it comes in. Uh, underneath the wetsuit, I like to wear undergarments. Uh, so I got long johns. I'll have to check to make sure that I don't have any cotton. They're probably some sort of mix, but uh, heavy on the poly. And then uh, I'll have, you know, so I, I, it's almost like I've got a, a suit under a suit. So I got the long johns and socks. Then I have the suits. And uh, my upgrade last year is I had, my my first ice, ice dive was in 3-millimeter boots and 5-millimeter five five-finger gloves. Uh, as I upgraded my gear, I upgraded boots to probably a, six and seven millimeter kind of harder sole boot that went up a little bit higher i wear it like rich said with the uh the wetsuit pulled down over the zipper and uh i also uh, have uh, I, I still am diving with a three millimeter hood i did upgrade to the three finger gloves and that was probably the single biggest difference that made it able to do warm to, to be warmer with the diving. I don't like being cold. That's what the, the funny thing about this. I'm, I'm the person who I, I hate to shiver at, at all, any time of year, no matter what. And, uh, but I, I love the ice dive. And if I was cold, I wouldn't like to do that. So, uh, you know, when we get to the, the dive site, that, uh, part of, part of staying warm is also the prep on that. Uh, you know, if you get yourself all sweaty before you get in the wetsuit, you know, you don't want to overdo it. It's not a race. Uh, you know, there's plenty of people there. It's all about setting up the site. The nice thing about the mud club is, you know, the club's got an ice shanty that we use. Uh, some of the, the members of the club have ice shanties that bring up. So we'll set up like a little village. Uh, if we're lucky, uh, you sometimes can set them out, up actually out there on the ice. Uh, other times we'll, we'll have them on the shore. But you get that set up and then you, we have a propane heater that will will get started in there. So uh, that you know, when you're when you're getting on you're getting on your suit in the with the in the shelter away from the wind, uh, keeping you warm, and then when you get back out later on, that shanty sometimes can be 80, 90 degrees, provided uh, you didn't run out of gas. But it's important to stay warm, like uh, Richard said, Mac had said, you know, wear that hat. I I, I wear that hat. I'll. I'll have a, a coat over it. I'll, I'll wear another hat over top of the other hat. Uh, the, the one thing I, I really worked on this year is trying to do as much as I can with the gloves on. Don't take those gloves off. Nothing will get you colder quicker than taking your gloves off, doing something, and then putting them back on because most likely you, you picked up some, some moisture and you transfer that to, to inside of uh, you know regular winter gloves or something. So 
have some sort of gloves on. Uh, and then, then probably one of the other things is that when you, you actually get to where you're doing the diving, is keeping that dive, you know, know what your limits are. It's better to have a few short dives than to have one dive and completely uh, wipe yourself out or, or not be able to get out of the water. Uh, I've, I've heard horror stories where uh, somebody will just stay in to the point to where uh, they, they just have lost all their strength. Uh, losing that heat, you also lose that strength, and, it, and that can get you in a, in a situation you might not want to be in. Uh, so that that's a that's pretty much my dive routine. Now, uh, one thing we didn't talk about, uh, we we kind of hinted at it, is with the the cold water dives, and maybe we'll transfer this almost into ice dives. Is uh, what are some of the techniques that you can do to keep from a free flow? You know, I've heard some people say that they, you know, does it make a difference with the regulator? Uh, you know, do you keep that in the in the house warm all the way until you go out, or do you keep it in the the cold car? Do you have an opinion on that, uh, Mac or Rich? Well, I ahead, have Mac. two actually. Uh, really, you should keep your tank as warm as you can keep it. Uh, from that aspect, there's actual logistics. If you look at the tank and you have it outside and it's 20 degrees, your tank of air is 20 degrees. So when you already start your flow in that orifice, you've already got a delta. You know, you're going to drop that venturi effect and get some freezing effects. And if you got any moisture in there, you're going to freeze up your regulator easier, and you're going to also be breathing colder air. So it's really advantageous to, to keep that scuba tank in your in your car with your regulator on it to maintain that at a higher temperature. That's my opinion, and that's what I try to do. Second part, we were talking about equipment. That, that could be another article or another little spiel there, but regulators are very important. Uh, Key items on that, of course, is you don't breathe in it until after you're going to go head down, meaning you can take a breath out, but you don't want to breathe back into the regulator because if the moisture can condense, solidify in there, then you're going to get your free flow. So definitely don't breathe on your regulators until they're both under the water. Um, I've had more difficulties with regulators freezing up in a river, cold river dive, than I ever have ice diving. And from that aspect, you really want to have a good regulator for ice diving, and you want your octopus to be really good. Uh, those environmental, environmentally sealed ones, you're really a necessity. And I do believe you want a downstream regulator because if you have one freeze, you want it to freeze in the open position. And I've been the other, the other way. I have a cyclone, and that's a upstream. And I've had that sucker when it goes out, it freezes, usually after I breathed out. I can't breathe back in. Uh, so some of the newer ones I do use are with the uh, environmental kits. Um, if they've got the little ports where you can put the antifreeze kit on it, that's what I, I like to use. And, uh, yeah, we could talk about equipment. Redundant gas supply, especially if I'm under the ice, I take a bailout with a good regulator. And what about you, Rick? Well, I, I agree with you on a lot of stuff, and I'll probably repeat it, but I, I have – I, I'm real opinionated when it comes to, to cold water gear. Um, first thing about cold water gear, and everybody out there has got a regulator that's been diving. The, the regulators are designed uh, primarily for water temperatures around 50 degrees. In fact, if you look at your manual, and I know you guys all read the manual on your, your regulator, 
but some of the manuals even say um, can't be used deep, colder than 40 degrees. So know that a little bit. Um, but starting at the beginning, the number one thing that I've found is your equipment has to be dry. And if your equipment's not dry, you're already working uphill. Now, when I say your first, when I say that, your true test of a piece of equipment is if it can function on the second dive. Um, so the first first thing is make sure that it's dry. So if you put your regulator away wet and put it in your bag wet, and you go out in the dive site and it's wet, you're going to run into to a big problem. The other thing as far as if you have something that's cold, like it's been outside and it's cold, don't let it come into the inside and be warm again. Because like if you take your regulator, you left it in the back of your truck, you go, oh, geez, I'm just going to warm that up on my dashboard. What's going to happen is you've been breathing in the cab of that truck for, for the entire hour to get out there. So all that moisture is going to cling to it and cause problems. Um, you want to make sure that your regulator is serviced correctly and you want to have it serviced um, prior to, to being in the cold water. Um, if there's water in it, I mean, tanks tanks are a big thing. If you have water in your tank or have any moisture in the air, that's going to be a big problem. Um, as far as regulators, I, I can probably shorten this conversation and, and uh, tell you that you need a, a Poseidon Extreme or a Poseidon uh, Jet Stream. Um, those are the two regulators that I use, um, and I've had, they're only two regulators that I've not seen free flow or freeze. Now, the 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 cyclone that you had a problem with, um, Mac, brings up another point. The lower the intermediate pressure on a regulator, the better it's going to function in colder water. The high pressure causes a lot more air and a lot more freezing to be going on. Um, I agree with Mac on the no breathing out. That's that's a huge thing. Don't breathe. So you can test it all you want breathing in, but don't exhale into it or you're just going to be screwed. Um the the environmental sealing, I am a big fan of diaphragm regulators. I think that for the most part that they have been the, the best way of doing it. Now, if you look at the older Poseidons, and I can't remember, I think it's, there's a couple other ones out there. I think it's older Mares. They, they have a top where the spring is, and it's a way to collect water. When you get out of the water, that has to be drained. I actually have my Poseidons mounted upside down because of that. Because when I get out of the water, they drain, and it doesn't give a lot of places for ice to freeze up inside. Uh, the um, When I talk about the Poseidon jet stream, the Poseidon jet stream was tested by the, uh, by the Navy um, for extreme conditions, and they actually stopped the test because they couldn't get it to fail. The, the next regular that came close to it, um, I just went through a seminar on this cold water stuff, um, was the Mare's Ice, uh, Proton Ice. And they got 250 cycles off of it before it failed. And it's crazy deep. I mean, they're super deep, and it's 38 degrees, and they're like in 250 feet of water. But they got over 200 cycles on the Mare's. But it was the one that came the closest. Everything else failed horribly and couldn't get their top rating. Um, so so not to, not to take what everybody has, every manufacturer out there knows that environmental sealing is something that people have piston regulators have a way to do it um I, i'm not a big fan of those for for super cold water by the way they're designed and, and like max said we could spend days talking about regulator design um but as far as um one other thing that i would throw out there as far as regulators and and the this equipment is your bcd with your BCD, it's very hard to keep those insides dry. Now, I have wrecked a bunch of BCDs over my in my day by having ice crystals grow inside of and pop my bladder. 
uh, you don't think about it, but if you have an ice crystal, it's got really sharp edges. You shake it around and go, hey, what's that sound? And you're just banging it against the, the side of the bladder and, and causing little pinholes to be in it. But what a BCD is, um, one of the tricks that I have with a BCD is well, before you get in the water, we've learned that you need to inflate your BCD and jump in. But that is counterintuitive to cold water diving. And the reason that I say it's counterintuitive to cold water diving is because when you're ice diving or you're cold water diving, the air is never going the the air is never going to be um, warmer or rarely going to be warmer than the water. Um, I've been diving on some ice dives where the wind chill factor was was such that it was a 60 degree difference um, being 60 degrees warmer under the ice than it was standing on the top of the ice. And so when you get into that kind of water, if you get out and let's say you're set up your gear in the back of the truck and you walk out in that kind of temperatures, if your BCD is full and your BCD inflator fails where you can't deflate it anymore, you're done diving for the day because you'll never get underwater. But if you have a BCD that's empty and your inflator fails, you can get in the water and have somebody with your line support you and hang onto the side right there until it thaws out. If you do have a regular that fails, you can use the, the warm water that you had to warm up your suit. That helps uh, a lot. Um, pour it into the regulator, pour it into the um, first stage and, and be good. And then get under the water as quickly as possible. Get under the ice. Now, when you get under the ice, you that, that we could talk about ice diving forever. But if you're going to pop into the water, make sure that you're j- jumping in the water where you can't get right back out. Because if, you, if it's going to fail, it's typically going to fail right away. Um, once it warms up and you're underwater, it's going to be just like a deep water dive. If it's worked in the deep water in the in the lakes, it's going to work in the in the deep water in the, in the shallows. Um, another thing that that I found, um, and this was in the early days. Uh, Mac, did you ever dive a Scuba Pro uh, Mark Five One Hundred Nine? The brass. I don't recall the, that one. Well, they're the old brass ones. They were like the most popular regulator. Also called a j- uh, balance adjustable. But but those were bra- they had a metal outside cover, and they would freeze all the time. And what we found with those in the in the late um, 80s, early 90s, is if you were going to cold water dive with those, you sprayed the inside with silicone, the the the, the food spray um, that you can get at most dive centers. But it's a silicone spray. Now silicone's really bad for rubber products, and I don't recommend it because um, it needs to be. If you put spray silicone on it, it looks all nice and shiny. But if you let it dry out, it just rots. But spraying that into your regulator will give it a little bit less of a place to have um, freeze-ups occur. So like like in my Poseidon, if I have some silicone in there, I'll take a breath and I'll get ice crystals instead of having it fail. Um, that's, a, that's a big thing that, that has helped. Um, but the, the, the keeping it dry is probably the best way um, prior to getting in the water, I think, would be the, the best way to keep, uh, to get started. But yeah, and buying the right equipment for cold water, that's that's huge. So what's the thinnest wetsuit you've seen somebody use for uh, ice dives? A five four with a hooded vest. Five four with a hooded vest. And he said he was too hot. He wanted a he he stood stood up on the ice and wanted to tend. And I'm like, You're making me cold just looking at you. Yeah, that sounds too cold for me. Uh, and and maybe we'll do a, an episode on ice dives, or we'll uh, we'll we'll add some stuff because there's some other tricks to ice dives. Uh, you know, site prep. Uh, you know, we, we could do a whole episode just on that. You know, how you 
how we stand on pallets and other things. But uh, I think I think I think we just about killed it. Uh, do you have anything, Mac? No, you get on these topics, and the majority of items are pretty much the same for everybody. Probably 90 percent. That ten percent though is what people will have all their discussions about. And like regulators mm-hmm. is a good one. Techniques for diving, particular type of diving. Uh, that's again food for thought and for other programs. It is. It, it seems like uh, you know one thing that we didn't mention was the the uh, somebody from the club had recommended putting uh, like a surgical gloves on underneath. And I've actually done that a few times, and that's that's helped. Yeah, anything to keep the the water contact off your skin uh, makes a big difference. Uh, if you were using five fingers, and I had the thin gloves, like you know, for surgeons or painting, anything like that, I've used those uh, small, thin type uh, cotton gloves with the neoprene, not the neoprene, but with the painting gloves over it inside of my fingers. That's but usually that's because my gloves leaked. Key item: if your gloves are good, your fingers are going to be good. And that that brings up the other point where, like, I spend my winter fixing all this stuff over the summer that I uh, wasn't sure how to make it warmer. But you'll find it like you jump in the water and you go do a dive and your feet will be cold. So you get a new pair of boots and everything's cool with your feet, but suddenly your hands are going to be cold. And then you get a new pair of gloves and everything's great with your gloves, and then your head's cold. And then you, everything's great with your head after you get a new hood, and then your feet are cold again. And so it, it's, it's just a matter of working it out where you get to a point where you're warm enough and that you can keep warm enough. And it's a, it's a never-ending cycle for the most part uh, until you get to that point where you say, hey, you know, you know what? I figured this out. I know exactly what's going on now, and, and I think I've got a good breaking the code. I think I've got a good solution to my problem. So on that note, Jim, have you come back yet? Guess we lost him. We must have. Uh, yeah, he was already in Jammy, so uh, probably turned into a pumpkin already. Yeah, maybe he just uh, fell asleep or something. That's uh, <laughs> leaned back. In. Well, we'll have to <laughs> dream it about his next dive. <laughs> and where's your next dive going to be? Well, well, actually, let's go ahead and uh, let's uh, move over to the section of uh, what our, our last dive uh, was. So, uh, uh, since, since we've talked, uh, Rich, have you been able to get any diving uh, this, in? This uh, last weekend I was able to do a couple. I had a, uh, I was at the quarry. Um, my wife and I were working the quarry concession down there, but um, I had an afternoon class for, for technical diving, a Tech 40 class, and that was dive number one. So... It's always fun to jump in with all this gear that you would normally use to go super deep and, and jump into the quarry and and uh, go and work on everything with a maximum depth allowed is at 30 feet. So so it was uh, it was enjoyable on Saturday and then uh, Sunday we had uh, I had a dive master candidate. Um, actually, she's now a dive master. She became a dive master this morning, um, but she had to get in two more dives or three more dives to. Uh, to be reach the minimum to be a dive master, and uh, so she came down and dove, and we we went all over the quarry and took her took I took her everywhere that I could imagine trying to get her lost. I I was having some fun with her too, is because I like got out to the other side of the quarry and I knew exactly where I was, but I was like, ah, where you go ahead and lead. She's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't know where I'm at. So 
that was a good dive. And then on, uh, on Tuesday I had an opportunity. Um, I love my job sometimes, but I had an opportunity. I was training, um, some, uh, with, and I, I, we, they have some new people. So I was actually doing some real training this time, um, of guys on the Metro Detroit Metro airport water rescue team. And so, uh, we ended up, uh, going out and doing two on Tuesday. And so it's been a good week for diving for me. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been pretty pleased with this weekend or this week. The water was really, really a lot clearer on Tuesday than I expected it to be. And it was not quite as clear at the quarry, but it's getting better. There was, uh, at the quarry though, there was, we have, um, we've been having a bad algae bloom, uh, since the water temperature was really warm. And, uh, when you get in the water, it's a little bit cloudy, but it's a little cloudy 30 foot visibility. But as you got out towards the less frequented parts of the quarry, the algae had started to die off and it was sitting as a silt level. There was a thermocline about a foot and a half off the bottom and there was a silt level that was all this suspended silt and you could play with it with your finger and make patterns in it. And it, it looked creepy. It looked like you were in a, in a, a movie with the uh with the extra fog that they put in like the 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 grave gravestones that were put i was trying to get uh carrie to go over to the graveyard but uh we we missed it my navigation was a little off but but it was really cool but a great great weekend of dive uh, it sounds great uh we tried to go in uh jim mac myself and then we also had another jim uh, we were trying to get on Lake Michigan to do some some surveying. and What, what were the waves on Saturday, Don? Were they, they, those were like, uh, they said two to, yeah, they, they, they said two to four, but they, they're all taller. So we actually were all geared up in the wetsuits out in the boat. Uh, we knew, I knew we were in trouble when we were in a channel and the, the waves were breaking off both sides of the, the pier, the north side and the south side. And where they kind of had a multiplying effect. Uh, and uh, we, we learned a little bit about the boat that you want to put the cover on the front because the waves are breaking over the front. Uh, Lucky the bilge pump was running, and I, and I think uh, Jim S. Uh, pants were a little bit uh, damp. So uh, we, we did go out and play for about 10, 15 minutes out in the lake, just kind of skipping on the waves, but uh, we didn't do uh, the run to our dive site. So we, we scrapped it for Saturday. And then we came out and uh, gave it a try for Sunday, and it was pretty much the same thing. But where Saturday was the the trend was two to four in building, being four to six in building. Uh, this one was two to four going to one to two. So I think the waves were two to four, but when you factor in that swell, uh, it, it was a little it was a little taller than that. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was dicey. I, uh, Dramamine is my friend. <laughs> yeah, in uh, n- not only yours, but uh, both Jim and uh, his son uh, both got a little green on that. We'll have to have Jim talk about uh, his his dive experience uh, if he if he makes it back on. But uh, we got out to the dive to the dive site where we're going to do a little bit of, of survey work. And uh, what was kind of unusual this time of year is I didn't feel a thermocline. We had, uh, what was it? I had uh, 59 at the bottom, but 
but I want to say it was 59 at the surface. Yeah, I had 61 at the bottom, which was what has been for two, three weeks out there now. Yeah, so no thermocline. But I also think the visibility isn't as good because of it. It seems like before when it was when there was a nice hard thermocline, we dropped down that thermocline and then you could see forever. And this this time it didn't seem to be that way. A little, little, little cloudy. And then on the bottom as we were, you know, we, we were practicing doing some some exercises, some skills. And uh, those those you know, we had somebody down there, the camera, trying to take some video, and you know, those darn gobies. Every time you go move around, they would shoot. They they'd skitter and and uh, kick up a bunch of silt. Did Did you have anything? It was go a ahead. fun dive. That's a key item. It was. It was. It was a great dive. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really expect that we'd still be diving in uh, Lake Michigan this late into the season. Uh, I thought we'd probably be uh, more onto our river treks. Yep. By Maybe now, which was our fallback yep. plan. This yeah. Weekend. So, so, so with that, let's uh, let's talk about uh, future dives. You've uh, so this this weekend, you're thinking maybe Unless the river. Some brave soul. It was seven to tens out there today. Uh, Zodiac would handle it, but <laughs> I'd like to get back <laughs> out there. But if not, uh, probably the uh, the river through Niles. That one area where we are looking for the Model T, and they found the door and stuff last time. Yeah, that one, and if not there, we'll hit under the bridge because that's always uh, just a wonderful place for stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do, uh, to do that. I haven't had a chance to get to get to that location. I've been I've been farther upriver, but that sounds like that'd be a good one. Yeah, well, this weekend I'm uh, I'm doing something a little different. I've uh, been lassoed into. Uh, with my wife's family, we're going to a place called Kalahari out by Cedar Point. And it's a, a, a water park for, for kids. And there's a couple of things my, that I've never been there. So my kids are like, are you going to try the, uh, the surfboard daddy? And I'm like, uh, uh, sure, I'll try anything. And my wife goes, you'll get killed. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, okay, well maybe I won't, but I'll take a look at it. And but no, it's a, they've got this powered wave that you can hop on and surf, um, like a powered wave. But the 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 thing that I'm doing that's diving related for this weekend is uh, my 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 little five year olds um, have uh, got a mask and snorkel for Christmas, and and they've been begging me to teach them how to snorkel. So we're gonna if there's water there, we're gonna teach them how to snorkel, and uh, get them started on the whole scuba obsessed thing start out with with snorkel, oh, that's good. snorkel yeah. obsessed yeah that sounds great that sounds fun yeah diving's deep everywhere when you're three feet tall <laughs> <laughs> it's very true there's a t-shirt in there yeah. somewhere well i think on that note we pretty much did it see what time are we running into we we've got uh one hour and 25 so far so uh not doing too bad. I think we lost Jim. And uh, I think we might just go ahead and call the show at this point. I, I don't really have a, a bad scuba joke prepared. Uh, so, God, I, I hate to let everybody down, but we'll just have to save up. Maybe we'll do two next week. <laughs> <laughs> Give everybody a reprieve. Uh, uh, from the bad joke. So, but I'd like to thank, uh, Rich for coming on the show. 
And uh, do you do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, well, you're on. There's still a lot of diving out. Support your local dive center and get out and dive. Uh, if you're in uh, the Northeast Ohio, come see me at White Star Quarry. Um, we've got a uh, underwater pumpkin carving contest on October 30th. Uh, you can get in more information at whitestarquarry.com, and uh, we'd love to have you. There's prizes and such, but but uh, don't give up on diving over the winter. Uh, make your New Year's resolution to get one dive a month in, even if it's in the pool at the local dive center. So let's. Uh, we'll have to come up with maybe some sort of a scuba obsessed uh, ID that you can get. You know, if you dive uh, every month of the year, maybe that'd be one. You know, we'll have to have some steps you have to qualify for. So uh, we'll come up with something. Uh, Mac, how, how about you? You have anything you wanna wanna plug or say? Nope. I just uh, hope for a nice weekend. Uh, we have that, then I'll be set. I'm sure we can talk offline. Uh, certainly. Certainly, that'd be great. And then uh, also don't hesitate to, to, to get over there and, and hit the websites. We got uh, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com, which is our uh, dive club here in, in town that we all belong to. Uh, we've also got the Scuba Obsessed website, which most likely you picked up this program from. You can subscribe on iTunes, the Scuba Obsessed netcast uh we're also on facebook you can follow us on twitter i'm darren jilson on twitter and jim is jake kleeman j-k-l-i-e-m-a-n-n and you can also follow the scuba obsessed uh twitter feed scuba obsessed and as always we'd like to thank you for listening to the show until next time go out there and get wet Call recording has been completed. And then I hit... Welcome to Scuba Obsessed, episode 40. Oops, I see what I did. I jumped ahead on my notes. We'll go ahead and start that. You know, the amazing parts of post-editing. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 40. How to stay warm in cold weather scuba. Or what? No, that's I didn't. Even, I got completely do a complete sentence here. Okay, no more beer. <laughs> I just I haven't even finished that's it yet. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're working on material for the uh, blooper gotcha. roll. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> yeah, we need somebody with a with a slate to get this thing started. So, okay, here we go. Welcome to Scuba Obsessed, episode 40. Oh, uh, for crying out loud. Yes. Let's have another drink. This is where... I've only been driving. I only I only drove about 600 miles Reynolds today. Burt comes in so. and slaps somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. A Burt Reynolds. Okay, here we go. And we usually, I usually only do it in one take, which you can tell. But... <laughs>